0: shoes.
1: Recorded live. Hey everyone, Hassan here. You are listening to the Nintendo Fuse Podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 1st, 2016. This is episode number 123 entitled Celebrating Old, Anticipating New. Today, I have Steve here with me. Hey guys, how's it going? We have Greg. Hi, everyone. And Barry.
2: Hey, guys.
1: We are all ready. 2016. uh, I guess this is our first podcast of the year. I know uh, um, it's kind of been a a busy beginning of the year, so um, we haven't gotten a chance to do an episode yet, but we're excited to be back and doing more episodes now, um, which is uh, uh, really fun. So we have a lot to talk about tonight, a lot of great things. Uh, As the title kind of, explains, you know, we're celebrating old, we're celebrating some great franchises from Nintendo, and we're anticipating the new stuff. We're going to talk about a lot of rumors going around, and uh, lots of uh, interesting stuff on the way, definitely. So, the first thing, the first topic that we want to get into tonight is the Legend of Zelda. So, Uh the Legend of Zelda recently... (laughs) Yeah, anybody want to sing the theme song? (laughs)
3: <laughs> throw back not... to uh throw back to the beginning days.
1: Yeah, There's I was to say uh... I'm not going to uh try that one again. <laughs> um Yeah. So Legend <laughs> Zelda, the original game, thirtieth anniversary, uh happened recently, and that's pretty crazy. Thirty years. Can you can you believe that? Like, the series is older than me. So
2: <laughs> that's uh well, not even pretty... too old, damn it.
3: <laughs> I was three when it came out.
2: Actually, I was probably two,
3: actually. Yeah, because yeah, cause I, I turned three at the end of that year, so it came out earlier, so I was, was
1: yeah. two. Uh, it's, uh, it's crazy to think about. Um, it's such a big franchise, definitely, and uh, I know this franchise means a lot to all of us, um, and so what we decided to do in honor of that, you know, every year we kind of do like our best games of the year we all kind of have our top picks we compile it all all our votes together and we crown our game of the year but well, we thought to crown our you know zelda of the 30 years i don't know what title to call it i guess but the best zelda game <laughs> um essentially uh based on all of our votes so <laughs> i want to kind of jump into that what i'm going to do is we're going to go through the top five winners so we'll start with fifth fourth, third, second, and then the winner. And then we'll kind of each take turns and talk about, you know, our specific picks and what the franchise means to us essentially. Um, so we'll kind of jump into that. Now, so we picked our top five picks, all of us. All, all of us picked our top five picks. And what I did is, you know, the first place pick got five points, second place four points and so on, um, down to last place got one point. And then I totaled up all the point totals (laughs) to pick our overall top five Zelda games. When I did that, the number five, the fifth place, there was a three-way tie. (laughs) So (laughs) that's the only tie. There's a three-way tie.
3: (laughs) It's just fifth place. We couldn't agree on what our fifth
0: place
1: is. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, So as far as picking a fifth place winner, I I don't know like is there any kind of a criteria you guys um think that I can do or should I just say them all five, or all three wow. of them? Oh, all three. They all tie. All right, let's do let's do um the three titles. So the three of these got five points each. Um, you can do
3: a, you can do them in alphabetical order. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh but then do I go by like the A and the dot, or the
3: <laughs> Oh man,
1: that's, that's <laughs> tough. The is way too complicated. I mean in order uh, of release. Oh gosh, newest. I don't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'm just gonna it's pick something fun. here. Um so these three games each had five points. So that could have been like one of us picked it as our top choice or like a mix of other things or whatever. But uh one of the three was a link to the past. Okay. Uh another one of the uh the three fifth place choices was Link's Awakening. And another one of the choices was Twilight Princess. So those three games tied for fifth place, basically, between us. Um, (laughs) Barry's shaking his head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know exactly why.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. Um, So we'll we'll talk about some of that. Um, So that brings us to our uh, fourth place winner. And before I get into that, by the way, um, I want to know what you guys think, too, in the chat. So if there's anybody out there in the chat room or anything, post your comments. Let us know what your favorite Zelda games are, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. You can even call into the show live and voice your thoughts. Um, And if you need any of the information on how to do that, if you head to nintendofuse.com right now, the post about the podcast right there has all the phone numbers and everything, and you can actually call into the podcast live, and uh, we'll get your, your thoughts on the show. You can probably Um, just hit
3: four a whole bunch of times and probably get it.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. In case you want the number, it's 724-444-7444. So, literally, he's not kidding. There's a lot of fours. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of four, uh, fourth place, we have the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. So, that was fourth place. Okay. All right, now we're in our top three. So these are the top three best Zelda games of all time, according to us. All right, you ready? I'm Number ready. Number three is A Link Between Worlds. Um, so wasn't that our game of the year one year? Yeah. For no. and a few? Yeah. yeah. I think no, it was two for, years uh, Yeah, like 2014, I think, right?
2: Yes, 2014 yeah. of the year.
1: Man, it's been yeah, two years so. ago. Since so much. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Well, so yeah, so our game, year, yeah. our game of the year, our game of the year for 2014 is not our favorite Zelda game. It's only three on the list. So what could be the top two? Hmm. All right, there we go. Ready. Number two. Top Zelda games of all time. The Legend of Zelda. Ocarina of Time. Uh, which, you know, I mix the 3D version in there, whether it's the 3D version or the N64 yeah. version, whatever it is. Um, so Ocarina of Time is our number two Zelda game. Hmm. So that brings us to the winner. What is our top Zelda game? Uh, before I do that, I want to say uh, Mike in the chat says uh, uh, Majora's Mask, Minish Cap, and Skyward Sword um, are his favorites. So good choices. Um, two of them are not in our <laughs> uh, top five. Um <laughs> Skyward Sword we already said was. But uh um but you know, it's cool about that because the franchise, you know, there's so many different tastes that people have, so many different opinions and, and it's it's interesting. So all right, mm-hmm. let's get to our top game. It is Phantom Margo. The Legend of Zelda. That's, That's it, the Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda. <laughs> the original. Um so, in honor of, I guess, the game's 30th anniversary, I guess it's kind of fitting that that was our top pick for uh, best Zelda game, basically. Um, so, with that being said, you know, we've crowned our winners. The Legend of Zelda takes it as the original. Um, let's kind of all take turns and, and go through some of our specific thoughts and just what Zelda kind of means to each of us. So, uh, Steve, you want to kick things off? Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um... So I,
3: man, um, I I don't remember when we got Zelda, the original one, um, and I actually don't remember which one I played, but it was Zelda or Zelda 2 um, first, because I remember getting them right around the same time, and I was really excited because I was a little kid and, and had my new Nintendo and everything, and these gold cartridges I thought was really cool, and I remember playing both of them um, quite a bit uh, when I was younger, and I remember... I I do remember thinking um, that both of them are really difficult, uh, especially Zelda 2. But Zelda 1 was particularly difficult for me because I'd heard that if you use the name Zelda as your name, um, it did something cool. I had no idea what cool thing it did. And so, uh, lo and behold, uh, years later, I realized that I was was always playing the more difficult version of the original one. Um, So I go back like years later and finally don't use Zelda as my name and I'm like oh this isn't nearly as hard as I thought it was <laughs>
0: so
3: um so I always thought Zelda was an incredible I mean it's, it's still a difficult game but it's not nearly as difficult as I thought it was um because once you actually especially if you go um if you follow like I, I had the, the gigantic map that, that had all the the layouts and, everything, and um and I kept I kept thinking, you know, like things are different in this other version. Why is the map not matching up correctly? Why is why are things different? Now I know why. Um but uh yeah, so I, I remember using the map and everything, went through the actual um you know, the original game and, and just you know, once you go when you go through it the right way, it's it's not nearly as difficult. But I was like I remember just the open world aspect is randomly coming upon, you know, dungeon and then like just getting murdered because like I wasn't ready for that because apparently I, you know, jumped into dungeon three way before I even finished, um, you know, came across dungeon one. So that was really cool. I think I I really like the uh, the open world aspect of it, which is one of the reasons why I um, personally picked uh, A Link Between Worlds as my favorite uh, game because it kind of goes back to that um, open world aspect. It's not completely, but it's it's getting there. And I think um, all of us that, that when we wrote our um, thoughts on, on our Zelda games the other day on, on the blog post, um, a lot of us, actually, I think all of us, shared the idea that we hope that the game will continue to go that direction. And I think that's why we all picked the original one probably as, you know, one of the reasons why we picked the original one as our favorite, because it really it, it captured you know that that heart of Zelda. I mean, it was the original, so obviously it, it obviously it captured the heart of it. Um, but it was just really fun. It really felt like you were on an adventure um, for the first time ever, and it's, they've been building on it ever since. But um, yeah, I've I really enjoyed it. Um, I've never really gotten to the handheld games. Um, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I didn't I didn't actually play any of the um, the Game Boy ver- the Game Boy Advance versions. Um, the DS versions, especially the touchscreen ones, because I really don't like the touchscreen controls. Um, Only Between Worlds was actually my first handheld one that I played all the way through and and loved it, of course. So, um, yeah, it's my history with Zelda.
1: Love it. Cool. Uh, What about you, Greg?
0: Well, um, like Steve, I started off with the NES ones. Um, I do remember we distinctly had the first one originally, and then for one of my birthdays I got Zelda 2 and and, um, me and my brother always had to like share our NES games so we'd always like go back and forth and like obviously share each other's games so then I immediately traded him Zelda 2 for the original. because I really loved it so much and had so many positive experiences going through it with him and my cousin helping me out to navigate through all the different dungeons and the overworld map. Um, I remember going through playing the second quest and seeing how much harder it was and (laughs) that's quite a challenge to be taking on the first way around, Steve, I'd have to say that. Zelda um, 2, obviously, is super difficult. Um, I did go into the handheld ones. I started with uh, Link's Awakening. That was a really good game as well. I remember changing the batteries moments before I was about to die, <laughs> and so I wouldn't lose, wouldn't lose my progress. Um, I basically played every single game up to this point now. Um, originally, I did not play the... Game Boy Color ones, or uh, the Four Swords ones right off the bat, but I've since gone back and revisited both of those. Um, I also really like this series with the series for the open-worldness. I had wanted to pull out there, I actually had my top three were actually the three that we had in the correct order. So I did, like, open between worlds, because it kind of goes back to that open-world open world feeling that I really love about the original um, I'm really excited for the Wii U version, as it should be a continuation on that and be extremely more expansive, and I couldn't be more excited for it. Other than that, I just really love the series. I also love the uh, these awesome little figurines. Got every single Zelda one, Toon Link, Ganondorf, Zelda, and Sheik. So, big fan of the series. Excited to see where it's going in the next uh, 30 years.
1: Sweet, cool. What about you, Barry?
2: Uh, well, anyone who's watched this podcast knows my feelings on Zelda. I mean, it's it is. You know, I would say it's probably. <laughs> I was gonna say it was my pro- most important franchise in my life of uh, games. Uh, now I have to say it's tied with Final Fantasy, only because I met my wife through Final Fantasy Eleven. So that that tipped the scale for Final Fantasy. <laughs> but in terms of my childhood, my childhood was Zelda. That that was my adventure um, coming from a broken home. Uh, no child wants to deal with the realities of having to grow up. So Zelda was my escape. And I loved when I could finally play the original Zelda and Zelda two. And, you know, some of my fondest memories were sitting there with like, you know, graph paper and trying to map out where everything was. Cause there was no internet and I was the only one of my friends that played it. So I didn't even have someone to talk to. So I had to try to figure out everything. And when I accomplished beating the game on my own, like it was just, Amazing. And I knew about the Zelda trick to get the the second quest, but I didn't want to do that until I beat the first one. Um, But unlike Greg, I didn't pick the top three in the top water. Uh, (laughs) The opposite, and the reason I was shaking my head is because Link's Awakening is on the list. Tied for third, or or for fifth with with five points, because that was my number one. And that was my number one because it was the first one I truly owned. It was the one I was able to take with me and Honestly, you know, there are so many characters that have come into the Zelda series, uh, and so many memorable characters. But to me, the the inhabitants of Koiland Island were just so amazing because they were so wacky, and they were they really was we're gonna do whatever the hell we want because it's a dream. We had Mario enemies and and all that stuff, and and just to see them all fade away at the end when you had to, it was just. So somber. Uh, and Bow of the Windfish is probably my favorite Zelda theme of all time, uh, right above Bow of the Goddess. And it's just, it's so, you know, rewarding to finally, you know, beat Nightmare and wake up the Windfish, but to see everybody else fade away and know, oh, crap, I just killed an entire village and, and all the island inhabitants. It's just, no Zelda game has since done that. Even Twilight Princess you know, at the end, which had a very sad ending. You didn't kill anybody. They just went to the Twilight Realm and were locked away. So to me, that was just truly touching. And uh, like everybody else, I love the open world. I love the open world thing about Zelda 1. I love the open world about, you know, the early ones too, A Link to the Past. Another one I'm shocked to see so low. Uh, and Link, uh, you know, uh, Link's Awakening is the same thing as is A Link Between Worlds they're all very open world-ish and you can actually tackle dungeons in multiple orders. So for that, I think it's really, really important. And, and I love it overall. Like it's so, so powerful of a game.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Um, the, uh, before I jump into my thoughts real quick uh, to anybody in the chat, if you guys want to post any of the, uh, your thoughts as well, uh let us know. Uh Mike was hoping for Spirit Tracks as uh, somebody's uh top choice, but fortunately uh is not on our uh on our list. <laughs> I actually never right. played Spirit Tracks. I played Phantom Hourglass but
3: Yeah. I think it wasn't for the uh the um touchscreen controls I would have I would have played those games. I was excited about them when they came out I was like wow uh, you know uh, a new 3D-ish kind of Zelda game, you know, on the go. I could put it on my DS. This is great. And then I was like, oh, touch screen only controls. Like, I just, I don't know. I've never been into adventure games with touchscreen controls, so it's not my thing. Obviously, you know, some people really enjoy them, um, but not me.
2: You know, no, right. it, it worked. Not, it worked. I was going
0: to say, I, was, I don't really remember it being all 100% touch screen. I thought it was. I did I barely used the stylus and barely used the screen at all. I thought you could use it to like help navigate Link and move them around, but I don't think you had to use it as in Skyward Sword using the Wii Remote to use it with the sword. Maybe I'm
2: completely off base, but I, I no, don't remember you did use the touchscreen on on Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. Like you did, but it actually worked, and I didn't think it would either because I'm I'm not a fan of touchscreen controls. And that was the one game that said, all right, let me do it. But it did work. Yeah. yeah. I don't, so for,
3: I, don't, I don't mind it for, I don't mind it for, I think, completing puzzles and stuff like that. that just kind of makes sense. But I don't know. Was it was it even okay with, with combat? Like, did that, or were you just kind of, like, swiping at your screen the whole time? Because that's the annoying part for me. I'm just like, I don't want to have a stylus, like, just hitting my screen all the time to, to attack.
2: I mean, you have to use, you swipe but it you don't have to like jab your screen or anything
0: like
2: that. <laughs> just swipe you know and get it done and and like double tap to roll so it's very like oh my god i'm gonna you know you need a hit you know it worked and I, I haven't replayed the game since i beat them back then and i need to there's no time but uh, it's definitely worth giving it a shot if you had to pick one of the two i would say spirit tracks is by far the better one only because that's stupid dungeon and Phantom Hourglass that keeps you going back to it over and over and over. And Zelda as a companion is really unique. It's the first time she's with you the entire game. So that alone makes it worth it.
1: Yeah, definitely interesting, uh, I guess, experiments with the Zelda franchise to kind of try with um, different control methods and, and such. But, um, but for me, um, I guess... Uh, growing up and and this may be a little bit of an unpopular opinion. um, I prefer the three D Zeldas to the two D Zeldas, or at least that's what I did growing up. Um, I've started to kind of come around a bit more. Um, But uh, so I, my top choice was Skyward Sword and second was Twilight Princess. Um, Those two, I just, I really liked um, I, and I, I liked the motion controls too. I know people didn't like that, but I actually, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, and uh it, it was just cool to kind of see um 3D Zelda with even better graphics uh, you know at the time uh, on Wii and everything with Skyward Sword and and so on and and I'm excited for the future of Zelda on Wii U um or NX or whatever I guess now which we'll talk about but uh so those were great um and then uh I also had Hyrule Warriors and Ocarina of Time on my on my list um uh Hyrule Warriors, I guess, is a spin-off title, but you know, it's still part of the, the Zelda franchise in a way, and it was—it's it, pretty fun and and uh, uh, interesting in its in its style. Um, but the one uh, 2D Zelda game that I did have was Triforce Heroes, Heroes, um, which I got recently, and I've been playing that, um, and that's actually pretty fun. Um, uh, from what I have played of it, um, I've been playing with my uh, fiance online, and then just one other random person as well. Um, And it's been a lot of fun to kind of just go through and, and try all the different items and try and figure out how to beat some of the the bosses and everything. And um, it's, it's pretty unique and and all the different costumes and, you know, I'm just kind of getting started with some of that, but uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's kind of turning me a little bit around on some of the 2D Zelda games. It kind of makes me want to explore some of that uh, a little bit more now. Um, So I'm definitely interested in in some more of that, but
2: overall, I was going to say, as somebody who has completely beaten Triforce Heroes, if, if that is your first foray into 2D Zelda games and you're interested, you will absolutely love every other 2D Zelda game. And no knock to Triforce Heroes because it's a great game. The community, the people, unless you get paired with some really awesome people, good luck getting through the Denner Trials. Like, it is insane. Like, it took my friend, two of my friends, literally four days to do, like, Denner Trials. <laughs> and that was like eight hours a day because it was just so aggravating towards the end. So I hope... Yeah, we've been stuck on some of it. that.
1: <laughs> but honestly, we've been stuck more because of lag recently um, than anything. Uh, it just depends on who we get paired up with and that sort of thing. Uh, I've, I've played a couple of other 2D Zelda games, but I guess, I don't know, my gaming tastes have kind of evolved over time. And I feel like now, if I were to go back and play some of them, I would enjoy them more, I think. Um then I, I don't think I, I guess I would have probably appreciated them as much before just because knowing my taste in gaming. But now I feel like I can go back and appreciate more of those 2D Zelda games. So I'll definitely try and, uh, and, and explore more of that. Um, but the one thing that's really made me a big fan, especially, is the music. I'm, I'm a big fan of music in general, gaming music and all of that. And the Zelda soundtracks are phenomenal. I saw uh, the Zelda Symphony Orchestra concert uh, when they did that. It was incredible. Um, It's just amazing stuff. Um, That alone sold me on the franchise, pretty much. So yeah, yeah, I agree.
3: There's there's a lot of times I I think I can't remember which um, why I got the sound. I think it was a pre order bonus or something like that that I got a couple of soundtracks through Club Nintendo or some different things here and there. And I remember um, you know (laughs) doing different things like over the past few years and. I don't know. Sometimes, I think the first time it came up, it was just like my on my iTunes music or something. And it was just on random, and then like a, a Legend of Zelda song came on. Like, this is pretty awesome. Um, and so now, whenever I'm like even cleaning the house, sometimes I'll just throw Zelda music on and it makes me feel like I'm on an epic journey, even though I'm like vacuuming like, or something.
2: You're not clear- cleaning near any pots. Why <laughs> I'm uh, He's cutting, cutting the ground. lawn. He's cutting the yeah. little <laughs> I just
3: get out a giant gonna- sword and start walking around the play art. <laughs> So yeah, um, yeah, I try cool. to stay away from chickens as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man. Yeah, definitely. I remember great <laughs> music.
3: I just, I just remembered the last time we had a really long Zelda. Conversation or whatever I think was like back around Halloween, and I remember my wife coming down, like running downstairs at the time, and thinking we were like all dying or something because we were all yelling like, "Never!" Yeah, she came down. Well, she heard me most of all, and she's like,
1: "Are you okay?"
3: She just heard me going, "Ah!" the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That was when you had the hoodie on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We need, like, a soundboard or something, a Legend Zelda soundboard, but not with the actual sound effects, but with us recreating the sound effects. (laughs) Great. That would be great. We Um,
2: we don't want to scare them away.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, if they they haven't been scared away already from everything we've done on the (laughs) podcast, you know, after over six years... um, but that pretty much is it for the, uh, for our Legend of Zelda segment. So 30 years, uh, which is awesome, and a lot of different great games. As you saw, we all have um, our favorites, lots of different titles out there to try. Uh, uh, old or new, 2D, 3D, whatever they are. There's lots of different um, Zelda games out there, so go check them out. Um, but on the topic of anniversaries, there's another franchise that's celebrating a big anniversary uh, this year as well, and that is Pokemon. So uh, the 20th anniversary of the, uh, the Japanese release of the original Pokemon games. And they even did a Super Bowl TV spot and everything, which was pretty crazy. Um, and uh, they're, they're doing a whole bunch of different things to celebrate the anniversary. But what I want to focus on is what was talked about in the recent Pokemon Direct. Um, essentially, first of all, they re-released the original games, Pokemon uh, Red, Blue, and Yellow. And in Japan, Green version. Uh, on the eShop, so you can download those now. They are, I believe, $10 each. Um, And what's interesting is you can transfer those games to uh, the Pokemon Bank app, which can then be transferred to um, the next little piece, which is the new Pokemon games, Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon. So those games will be coming out holiday 2016 for the 3DS. Um, We don't really know much about it except... They're adding traditional and simplified Chinese languages to the game. We saw like a little snippet of what one of the new Pokemon looks like, like a little bird Pokemon kind of. Um, And really we have the logos. That's pretty much it. We really don't know much about the games except they're coming uh, this holiday. Um, So I kind of wanted to once again kind of go around and talk about maybe a little bit about our thoughts on the announcement and then also the franchise in general. So, Steve any uh thoughts on Pokemon
3: uh I liked the the trailer leading up to the announcement of Sun and Moon a lot better than I liked the um the one that they put out for the Super Bowl is I I mean I think the that one it kind of captured like I think I, I got what they were going for um you know they were going for you know the nostalgia and like oh you can catch Pokemon too or Whatever, but um, I thought the, the video that they did um, at the, the Pokemon Direct that actually showed people playing the game and everything um, through the years was, was a lot cooler, I guess, because it really captured you know, the history of the game and where it's where it's come from and where it's going. Um, myself, I, I've only dabbled in the Pokemon. I was, I was into it when it first came out. I remember getting, <laughs> I think that was back when Nintendo used to send out VHS um, tapes uh, advertising what's going to come out. I remember getting the Donkey Kong Country one as well. Um, but uh, I remember watching the VHS tape and, it, and saying, like, you know, this this is some new franchise that's going to come, you know, if we've, we're going to have a TV show and all this other stuff. And they were sh- showing, you know, how it's going to be, you know, the next big – they're going to – basically they wanted it to be the next big thing. And it was really interesting when, when Nintendo – sets their mind to it and they they say you know this is going to be something big it usually is and and that's what I remember um hearing from from them when in their advertising and everything they're like we want this to be something huge and it's only become something huge I think because of that that mindset that they had from the very beginning and yeah it's it's been it's blown up it's been huge um I got blue at the very beginning um back on my Game Boy and Played through it. Um, I don't know if I ever actually beat the entire game. I I know I didn't come close to getting all 151 Pokemon. Um, I think I was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, 70 or 80 or something like that. But I remember even trading um, with other people, and that was pretty cool because you you did to, like, connect your link cables and everything up. Um, I remember pre-ordering Yellow version for my local Kmart, because um, I was like this is awesome I got to get you know Pikachu edition and then I realized that I probably don't really have the money for that and I probably shouldn't be buying it so I remember actually I sold my pre-order to like a friend um so I never got that version and actually that that was the only version of Pokémon I had until Soul Silver and and Heart Gold came out and I ended up getting Soul Silver um played through that game loved it and and I think I ended up i can't remember if i got i don't think i got black or white um or black or white too but i did get x um for like yeah i had x and y actually we had like a couple different i, I didn't buy it we got you know extra review copies from nintendo and um that was the only way really, really recent i got that because because pokemon games are really one of the you know it's a huge adventure and so like In limited time, you know, as we're all getting older, you know, we have a lot less time to dive into these gigantic adventures. Or maybe I think two of the, of the, um, uh, um, I'm totally blanking right now. Uh, yeah. The gems, two of the gems so far. Um, but I think that's about all. So I haven't really even, you know, dived too far into two X. Um, so I'm I'm excited adaptive, to see,
2: sorry.
3: yeah. So I'm I'm excited I'm excited to see where where it goes in the future. Um, I haven't decided yet if, if I'll actually get sun or moon. Um, we'll see. I I think it'd be cool to to really. I think hopefully they they dive jump they they jump all the way in on the 3D this <laughs> time though because like with X and Y I think it was kind of this like hybrid sort of thing. Um, and it wasn't like fully into 3D, so it'd be really cool if um you know, they jump all the way in this time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, what about you, Greg?
0: Um, I kind of hate to admit this, but I've actually never played a Pokemon game. I feel like my childhood is oh, not yeah. as good as everyone else. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: my first experience with Pokemon was in Super Smash Bros. 64 when a character <laughs> called Pikachu made an appearance. Um <laughs> That's probably my homework assignment is to download one of those games and <laughs> give it a see, shot. See, now you guys know I just,
1: how I feel when you when I say I don't I haven't played any of no Fire Emblem games. And now, you know, you, <laughs> see, you see you see how that feels? <laughs>
3: yeah, I haven't played one of those
0: either.
1: So,
0: <laughs> so yeah. um, obviously it's great that it's lasted this long, and it seems like it has a huge fan base. I've just never played one of the games in any of the, any of the games. So I guess I'll go out and download whatever. What the, if we do a po- top uh, Pokemon game,
1: which game
0: should I start with?
1: <laughs> <laughs> hmm, that's a that's a tough one there. You um, can always go old school and just get the virtual console titles, like red, red because, blue, or yeah. yellow or something.
3: Go for blue. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I started I,
1: with. I, I really <laughs> want to
3: play it again. I want to download it, when like $10 for a game I already own. I wow. think it's
0: actually I think it's actually only like seven or eight ninety nine. I posted that in our Nintendo download. It's not ten even, but it's like seven or eight or something like
3: that. Yeah, but they still tax. Not in New Hampshire.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like nine dollars,
2: still not ten. <laughs> One
1: <note. laughs> Yeah. Um what about you, Barry?
2: Uh, like Steve, I mean, I remember being at my friend's house and talking about it and like, oh, it sounds like so cool. It's coming out. And the anime came on at you know, six o'clock in the morning. And I was up every morning to watch the anime. And I was talking to another friend. We were both excited. And when the game came out, I remember mm-hmm. uh, running, literally running to his house because he didn't have a car. And I was you know, still a kid. And uh, ran over to his house, and his mom took us to Toys R Us. And I got blue, and he got red. And I was like, oh, we're totally going to start playing. And we started playing every day in school. We were talking about it. And I got ahead of him. I, just, I, was, just, I was so excited with it. And I remember beating the Elite Four and beating everything and catching, you know, Articuno and U2 and Zapdos and Moltres. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't need all 150. I, I got the legendaries. And he kept, I remember him kept asking me every day, what's your team? What's your team? Oh, yeah, this is what I got. You know, I'm done. And all of a sudden, him and, like, three other friends one day after school, like, we got to totally battle. And not only did they have the, the same Pokemon they had beaten, but they were, like, level 100, and they just wiped the floor with me. I'm like, what the heck, you know? Like, what, what the heck's going on? So I'm like, oh, man, you guys are too competitive in this. But I, I did. I, I did gold. Uh, I did gold. I did ruby. In fact, I actually bought a Game Boy Advance for ruby, um, but I never finished it. And... I didn't do the, you know, leaf green or anything like that. I didn't get back into it until Pearl. I, I got Pearl, didn't beat it, didn't play uh, Soul Silver or, Gold, or Heart Gold, didn't play black or white. And then I found out my wife had never played a Pokemon game. So I wound up getting black 2 and white 2 when they came out for her to play. She didn't have the time to play. I didn't have the motivation to play without battling her. So it wasn't until X and Y that she finally started playing. And I, you know, I, I beat X. I don't beat Y. I'm sorry. I beat Y. And I haven't even touched Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire yet. And I probably will get Sun and Moon. Um, maybe, I'll, you know, depending, you know, I hope they go full 3D, like we were talking about, Steve. Uh, then I'll see for it. Uh, still waiting for that Pokemon MMO. Uh, I've been dying for that since, since the <laughs> beginning, since I first saw the, saw the first episode. You know, catching that Pidgey, you know, got to go for it. Uh, I've done most of the spin offs, Snap and Stadium, and I, I'm still playing Shuffle to this day uh, and, and uh, the cross. So uh still got a hold of me there. Uh, and Steve, as for your VHS, is this the one you're talking about? Because this is the one that's I it. got. It's, it's <laughs> somewhere in my parents' house, I'm pretty sure. There it is. That's that's. I did the same thing. I got it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch this, you know, because the game hadn't come out yet and it was the only thing we had. But, I, you know, to me, I hope it goes on for forever. Uh, like you, Steve, as well. I think the trailer was way better than the Super Bowl commercial. And I almost wish they just aired that trailer in the Super Bowl and announced Sun and Moon at the Super Bowl. And, like, just totally, whoa, You know, there was a commercial, but in the game announcement at the Super Bowl, this would be totally different. Um, and I agree. I think it was a, definitely a better, uh, better uh, commercial. But, you know, Pokemon has been a big part of my life. Not as big as other people. Not as big as Zelda, of course. Uh, I know it's touched a lot of other people, you know, in really, really good ways. And you know, I as it's a card game, the people I see people all over like going crazy for these new legendary packs now. And you know, the, the stuffed dolls, the Mew doll, and the Pikachu, and like people all over. Oh my God, I got it! And to see that love, like going into Toys R Us and seeing kids carrying these toys now, like it warms my heart. It's like you know, I'm glad that this is still going on and kids can enjoy what we enjoyed growing up, uh, because the world changes so much and it's nice to see some things still stay the same. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh definitely very true.
1: Um the, before I go into my thoughts uh in the chat, uh Mike was saying uh by the way it's nine ninety nine uh the games he said so Greg is technically correct because it's not it's one cent less than ten dollars. <laughs> Uh he said it's twelve forty nine in Canada. Um his first major Pokemon experience was Pokemon Gold. Um and yeah. Richard Romero in the chat says he's still waiting for Pokemon Snap 2. Um even though the Wii U is perfect for it. Oh that totally Hey, you Pikachu would have been Yeah, Pokemon yeah, right? <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um so for me, Pokemon honestly might even be a bigger franchise like for me growing up than Zelda and even Mario and stuff. Um, Pokemon is one of my very first video games ever. Uh, I honestly can't remember if I got a Game Boy Color or a Nintendo 64 first, but those were like my first systems. And for Game Boy Color, my first two games were Frogger and Pokemon Blue. Um, I remember deciding, I was like, I've heard Pokemon Red is harder, so I'm going with Blue version or something, and Blue is my favorite color, so I ended up picking that randomly. Um, but I got Blue, I got Gold, Ruby, Diamond, uh, White version. Oh, and then with all the re-releases, I got Leaf Green, Soul Silver, got Pokemon X, uh, Omega Ruby, um, uh, yeah, I've got a whole bunch, uh, and a bunch of the spin-offs and stuff, too. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Explorers of Time, Darkness, and Sky, I think is the third one. That will yeah. probably be one of my favorite, like, that story is probably one of my favorite games, like, ever, really. <laughs> uh, and I actually even, like, teared up in the story. Like, I never thought a Pokemon game would make me tear up from the story. Like, it was actually uh, really good. And I just lost some memories of just growing up, especially with my sisters at the time when they were more into gaming uh they would watch the show and stuff too we all collected the cards that was huge i have a ton of pokemon cards i still have them there and i I actually almost bought some like on sunday um i was at the store and i was like hmm maybe like it was kind of pulling me back in um but uh so many great memories i even got to go to the pokemon world championships uh a year or two ago uh, because they were in dc uh so was just a cool experience going there and just seeing the competitive Uh, scene and with the car game, the video game, everything, it was just uh, an awesome experience overall. So it's just been really cool to see that franchise really grow um, over the years and become what it is. Definitely.
3: Yeah. I think the competitive scene is the the most interesting to me because I never, I never imagined it would become what it is today. I mean, I remember like, I think, I can't remember if it was um, Barry, I think you mentioned Um, about how you had friends that were asking, yeah, like what team you had and everything and like your different types of teams. And I remember the first time I was asked that question, like, oh, what's your different? I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would, why, why would I have different types? I have the team that I set up that I played from the very beginning. I keep the best ones. Why would anybody like, and then I find out like, okay, you have different sets that you play against different players with and they all, you know, cause it's the whole, you know, like paper, rock, rock, paper, scissors thing. And like learning that over time is just like insane. Cause like I didn't, I had no clue at the beginning. I just picked my favorites and just, you know, leveled them up as much as I could and just kept on going. But then, you know, everybody's like farming and, you know, evolving them and, and, you know, growing other Pokemon and, and breeding them and, and all this stuff that goes over time and just making like the best teams they can and different types of teams I was just like this is like that's way too much for me. I just wanted to progress through the game and you know beat the beat all the the, the matches I could and and just like collect as many as i could and and call it a day um but it's gotten so huge like in the competitive scene because people have have really gone out on both the the card game side and uh and you know the full video game side so it's that's been insane for me to see but i think i'm most excited about Pokemon tournament coming out honestly like like that's kind of my like if i'm going to be like i'm definitely not a competitive fighter game person at all but i really enjoy it and i really enjoy like tekken and and street fighter and so like that with pokemon like this could be really fun um i probably will get killed um by really competitive players but it's going to be fun
2: yeah yeah now, see, what I'm wondering is why everybody is ignoring the giant elephants in the room. See, what Nintendo did was subliminally tell us that they are actually going to buy Mega Man because Pokemon Sun and Blue is a reference to, po- uh, to Mega Man Battle Network 4, Red Sun and Blue Moon. Right, so it's like Sun Moon, Sun Moon. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they're doing here, right? Come on, Nintendo, please. Please.
1: I see a little Mega Man behind you, like ready,
2: he's
3: like... <laughs> Please. Please. Save. Save him. <laughs> there he is. He's
1: sneaking in. <laughs> uh, Richard Romero in the chat um, says that uh he suggested that I collect the generation set that was just released. I'm currently collecting them first time since I was a kid buying packs again. I think I remember hearing the generation set as like the card game, they're re-releasing some of the cards or something from older series or something. So, kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard, too.
1: <laughs> so that kind of wraps things up for the Pokemon uh, uh, topic for today, for the anniversary. So two big franchises, two big anniversaries for Zelda, Pokemon, um, and uh, lots of great stuff there. But now, you know, we're going to look ahead to the future, and we have some rumors to talk about with the the future Nintendo Console, handheld, both, neither, whatever it is, uh, the <laughs> Nintendo NX. I,
3: actually, like I, as a transition for this, like that's one of the things that I I was a bit shocked to hear is when when they announced that po- the next Pokemon game would be out for the 3DS because I actually thought they probably would like if this is going to be some sort of like hybrid thing, I thought it would be out for the NX or whatever is. I was like, I was I was kind of interested and, and intrigued that but they've announced that it is coming out for 3DS.
2: Steve, don't you remember the 3DS came out in March 2011 and Black 2 and White 2 came out later that year on the DS. So they did it there too. And Pokemon Conquest also, all three games came out for the DS before the 3DS even got X and Y. And that was the year that the 3DS needed a Pokemon game like it was hurting so badly in 2011, and it was a big question: why the hell is White Two and and Black Two on DS, not 3DS? So it doesn't surprise me, you know. Which is Especially why, to- like, Which is why I'm
3: shocked because if it if it is definitely coming out when they learn their lesson, and plus, like, if they really want to push this, like, if it really is coming out in late 2016 or even early 2017, and they really want to push it, like why wouldn't they hold off on brand new, exciting, huge games like new Pokemon for this next system and or, like, really push it as a launch title or something instead?
2: But, Steve, you, you should know, Nintendo is a creature of habit. <laughs> they don't learn from their mistakes. They keep repeating, this. we're, we're going to stop the drought. We're going to stop the drought. How many times have we heard that? And how many droughts have we been in since they started saying it? That's what they do. You know, would it, would it be smart? Absolutely. They're probably looking at a the game's probably been in development since x and y finished because I'm sure it was a smaller team that did Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire because it was just reusing the engine, so they probably have been in development of this game for like three years, and they don't know what the nX is three years ago, so they they have it in development. Will they get a port possible but probably not, and the other thing is the three d s has a large install base, and this will have nothing. So their, their idea is probably let's reach the largest side, you know, install base and keep the 3DS going as long as it can. Because what, what I've heard, this is the DS all over again. Remember when the DS came out, they swore up and down that the Game Boy line wasn't going to die. And this was going to be a third pillar, just like the Virtual Boy was a third pillar before that. And they can't create a third pillar. So we know something's going to give. And obviously the 3DS is most likely going to give. But they don't want to tell you that. They want this Christmas. For you to go out and buy a 3ds if you don't have one yet so that's why they're doing it they're doing it for the late comers
1: yeah yeah we've learned from nintendo over the years that uh <laughs> don't expect them to be uh ready to go with new hardware and, <laughs> and all this software definitely um you know but looking ahead with the nx there are rumors of what they could possibly have coming with the
2: system um, so, before, you, you know, this, before you say the rumors yeah. I do have something to say uh, I have not read these rumors I have purposely avoided every article about these rumors so I have no idea what you're going to say because I expect and be surprised you know as opposed to oh that came true so I have no idea what you're going to say here so if you, <laughs> you're watching and you see my face go oh, you know it's a legit oh my god <laughs> like is that real or not But yeah
3: I've, I've only read uh, just a couple of them the couple that I've read like were the ones that I was like, oh well I don't even that's just someone speculating and, and it's a obvious speculation. So I haven't I haven't read any like outlandish rumors yet. So I'm I'm not exactly sure what you're about to say, uh Hassan either. But um <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm excited. Let's see what people have to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've picked three rumors for us to talk about. Uh starting with, you know, the smallest to the biggest rumor basically. Um, I guess you could almost say the most likely to the least likely. Um, so the first rumor comes from um, on Twitter. There's this guy Serkan Toto, um, Dr. Serkan Toto. He's a CEO of Tokyo-based consultancy company Canton Games. Uh, he often tweets different like uh, uh, pieces of data on like the Japanese gaming market, things like that. He he seems to have some inside sources. That, you know, uh, he seems to at least know some of what he's talking about whether he really knows this stuff or not I don't know but he seems to be pretty reliable so he tweeted saying Bandai Namco is currently developing several NX titles Smash Bros is planned to be a launch title I'm not sure about the date yet um to follow up on my last tweet I haven't heard if it's a completely new numbered Smash Bros or not um otherwise source situation is solid so he's claiming there's going to be a Smash Bros game at NX launch or soon after I guess uh, which Many people are kind of taking it to mean maybe a Smash Brothers, Wii U, 3DS, like combined, all DLC included kind of a thing, uh, like a Game of the Year edition sort of thing. Um, I don't think anybody expects like a full new Smash Brothers, but I could see that happening. I think um, it's easy enough for them to be able to port over to a new system, and it'll have plenty of content that includes the DLC. Maybe combine the Wii U and 3DS exclusive stages, combine that into the game as well um what do you guys think
3: yeah i i, I mean it had been rumored anyhow that this was possibly going to happen and you know it, it kind of makes sense it'd be interesting actually because you know if we can are you know continuing to make another you know smash brothers game down the line it'd be one of the first console the, the first console that ever had two versions um on it uh but it makes sense i mean it's it's not that old of a game and it's still very well played um you know it makes sense over um you know up res everything throw in all the dlc and yeah call it a game of the year edition or special edition or n x whatever um yeah um it'd be really cool if they somehow tied it in like i, I don't think it would because the nintendo network sucks but um, if they were able to, like, <laughs> tie it into, you know, um, be able to play with the Wii U version or something like that. But I, I doubt that they would do that. Um, but, yeah, makes sense to me. I am i wouldn't be surprised if that happened.
0: Right.
1: What do you guys think? Greg, Barry?
0: Yeah. I also kind of think that it would kind of make sense. I mean, they seem to have a habit of doing that. Like, Twilight Princess came on two consoles and um, – Obviously, the Wii U launched with a lot of games that were made like six months before on like Xbox and PlayStation. So I don't see why they would just take a great game like Smash Brothers and use it as a launch title. But personally, I'd rather it be a brand new title from the ground up. But obviously if they need a launch title to help sell the game, then that's what they'll do. <laughs> see, I,
2: this is one I've heard uh, and I've thought a lot about it. In terms of making a brand new Smash Brothers game, there hasn't really been a lot of time, and there is no reason to. And the reason I say that is they have a great framework with Smash Brothers Wii U, 3DS, and almost like what they're to- touting with the NX, like it's going to be a platform. It's almost like Smash Brothers is a platform itself. They already have an existing formula. There's no reason to redraw Mario and redo his moves again. He's there. He exists. He's going to be in the game. They could take all the existing characters, They could take all the existing stages from both 3DS and Wii U. Maybe even surprise us by porting over the older ones. I'm sure Sakurai doesn't need need to be there for that. Employees can do that pretty easily. Uh, And then Sakurai stated that there was no more characters, and this is the end, for Smash Brothers, for Wii U, and 3DS. And he specifically stated that. Why is there no more? Because if they just launched with Smash Brothers, with all the DLC, it would be great. Nintendo diehards like us will probably buy it. People who never owned a Wii U will probably get the NX4. But those that already have it will be like, I'm not buying again. Oh, but wait, now it comes with exclusive characters. Let's get Ice Climbers here and Inkling here and, and Shantae in here and King K. Rule And who knows what are the 3rd you know, characters? You, you know, suddenly we have, like, uh, Chris Redfield from Resident Evil coming in. and uh, it's As crazy as they want to make it. They have the opportunity now because they don't need to focus on retouting Mario and working on Link and all that stuff because they already exist. You know, and the odds of them making a brand new game at this point not going to happen because Sakurai puts himself into almost deathbed every time he makes a Smash Brothers game, and the guy needs a break. <laughs> you know, let him work on a couple of characters. They they do what four or five characters a year. If they do four or five characters. This year, let's say four characters this year, and it launches in early 2017. They could do another two or three. They could launch with another seven characters and future DLC. It, it would like the timeline would work, as opposed to building a brand new game. That that it would it would be like uh, Street Fighter V. You know, Street Fighter IV had like 50 characters by the end of it, and Street Fighter V launched with 16 because they had to rework all the characters. No, no one's going to want a Smash Brothers game with 16 characters after. The Wii U version in the 3DS with 58 characters was it? We're counting the me fighters mm-hmm. of three, uh, you, you're not going to want that. You're going to want more right. characters. If anything else?
3: Yeah, I was just talking to someone there just the other day,
2: and and
3: we were just talking about how because they went back and played melee um, recently, and they were like, "Man, it's so difficult after you know being used to the 3DS and Wii U version." and We were talking about how really it, it in, a, in a big way that um, that it really is the the, like it feels like the final version of of Smash Brothers. It feels like the the, ver- the way Smash Brothers should be. And they can still tweak it. They can still you know rebalance everything with with um, patches and stuff like that over time. And they can still add DLC um, with characters and and stuff. And and if they you know upres it you know when they port it over to NX you know put it over to 4K that's that's not that much difficult, you know, to do if you're just tweaking the graphics because the the game engine itself is already there and it's fantastic already. So yeah, just keep building on it. It's it's kind of like why I feel like I don't know I don't understand why EA why because they're money hungry. but other than that, why they don't why they keep putting out a brand new version of FIFA and Madden and NBA Live and everything every year, really, they just need to release a really good one. And then just release the new patches with the new, you know, um, updated rosters every year and, you know, charge a subscription for that or something. Um, I think it's similar, you know, once you get to a certain point, like I think Smash Brothers has, really they've built the definitive version of
2: Smash Brothers, in my opinion. And let's just, yeah, just build upon that over time. The reason that EA does it is money. Uh, it's, yeah. It's people people right. actually go out and buy four, 4 million, 8 million units of Madden every year. Uh, and it's easy money because it's just updating roster and a little few tweaks. So EA likes money, like any company, Nintendo included. So it's just all right, easy eight million in sales. What they could do for Smash though is just call it Super Smash Brothers Turbo, like Street Fighter did, and just put a slider meter for the melee people to be happy. Like up, up the speed, boom, done.
3: Uh, you got to be able to turn on uh, different um, glitches as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> wave dashing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it seems like it's definitely within the realm of possibility. So, you know, that's why I say this is probably the most likely out of the three rumors uh, that I have there. Um, whether it will happen or not remains to be seen. Um, the uh, But it uh, seems like it's definitely sort a possibility. So that brings us to rumor number two. And I'll give a little bit of background to this one. Um, this has probably been the one that's been... Floating around the most, um, lately. Uh, so there's a user on the NeoGAF forum, uh, username by Trevelyan9999. Um, and essentially he claimed that he had a contact at Nintendo that had some information and he shared it. Um, and I should say that some of what he shared has since kind of been proven a little bit. Um, so he, he shared, um, Some uh, release information, so kind of moving a little bit away from NX, but uh, he shared like a um, 3DS lineup, some marketing stuff, uh, marketing budgets. Uh, So he mentioned about more Nintendo Selects would be coming, uh, which was just announced. Uh, He mentioned something about Disney Art Academy, which then like a day or two later, there was a retailer listing for that. He mentioned a new Pokemon game codenamed Niji, which translates to Rainbow. And actually, some of the uh, press images for Pokemon Sun and Moon, the logo images for the game files, the file names were Niji A logo and Niji B logo. So it seems like some of what he's saying is coming true. So that brings us to the NX piece. And what he said is that the NX will indeed launch this year. Um, at least, you know, his his source didn't know if it's, specifically a console or handheld or what, but at least one part of it, or in some way, shape, or form, the NX would launch this year, uh, as well as um, a new Legend of Zelda game for NX would be a launch window title, which many are taken to be, I don't know if he outright said it or if many people are just assuming it'll be Zelda Wii U also on NX, kind of like a Twilight Princess GameCube Wii situation. Um, so his rumor is about NX definitely coming this year and Zelda being an NX launch title, so uh, possibly Zelda Wii U then probably, I guess, would be the NX um, title. Um, Oh, actually, I'm looking at his post now. Yeah, he specifically says Zelda Wii U will be the one that would be on uh, uh, NX as well. Um, So that's that. What do you guys think about that from her?
3: Um, I think if it does come out in 2016, it better launch with Zelda. Um, that's what I'm saying because we've been waiting on this very like so long. They better have put it off for a good reason. Um, and if that reason is to also port it over to a new system that does 4K and has a lot more power, then okay. But if they've just been putting it off and they just release it at the Wii, on the Wii U at the very last. You know, a month of its life cycle before they launch a brand new system, then okay, whatever. Um, but it just makes sense. Like I guess for so then to pull you know Twilight Princess again, um, we've talked about that a lot. If it comes out in 2016, I I don't know. Um, I think it it makes sense, especially if if all the rumors. <clears throat> that and I don't know what your top one that you're going to share but if if the rumors are true that that it's only going to um be as powerful as the PS4 and the Xbox 1 then then it better come out this year because we better not get a brand new system from Nintendo in 2017 um that's just as powerful as a system that is now 3 years old um like they better be matching it in 2016 I I still hope they they surpass it in 2016 because um, I think the technology is now there that we can surpass it, um, but or or do something brand new or something I don't know VR or whatever. But um, it's got to it's got to surpass that. And so if if it does launch in 2016, I could see, you know, definitely you know a, a Zelda title coming with it, especially this late in the game of of Zelda Wii U. I mean, why not port it over and and try to help help sales in the beginning?
0: Right. I was kind of going to yeah. go the route that it probably is not going to be launching this year only because it seems like when they announced the Wii it was like a year and a half afterwards when they announced the Wii U it was like a year and a half afterwards. Um, I'm not convinced that it will be in any form this year but that's just kind of me. I think we'll hear more at E3 If we were to see it this year, I would expect some sort of press conference within the next month or two. I don't think they could announce it at E3 and be like, oh, by the way, it's available in three months. I don't see that being a super wise move, but who really knows? I mean, they could try that route, but I would think you would need to have to build up some excitement and hype, and you probably want to keep that going for period of time as you trickle out additional news and games that are going to be launching with it and coming
3: out shortly after. But Although, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I, I like the idea of them announcing it and in a short time, you know, just a few months later that it does release, I think that does create a lot more excitement actually because sometimes when people have like, I think we see it a lot in the movies, especially lately, we see a, a trailer for a trailer and then like, by the time the movie comes out, you're like, didn't it come out already? Because I've been hearing about this movie for the last two years. Um, so we, we draw things out so much nowadays, and I think some of the excitement is lost. So if they were to announce it at E3 and say, yeah, it's going to be available six months later or something like that, that, I think, to me, that would draw more excitement because they can just pack all the advertising they can into a short amount of time, really build some hype, and just launch it out and see how it does. Um, I don't know if it will or not, but in my mind, actually, I I prefer you know a shorter launch window um, from the announcement into into launch.
0: I mean, I'm just trying to use like the previous examples. I mean, with Wii and Wii U, it seemed like they needed like a whole press conference just to introduce the console. Then they didn't really go into about any of the games that were going to really be coming. It was like the E3 afterwards. It's like, oh, that new ca- new console we talked about last year. Well, boom, here's Nintendo Land. Boom, mm-hmm. here's Wii Fit U. Here's we Music. I mean, it's whatever. We Sports.
1: Yeah, I guess with that too, though, yeah. there were a lot of issues with that where there's a lot of confusion by splitting up stuff too, you know? So maybe by just doing it all at once, they kind of get it out the way. Or at least I see that Nintendo lately has really been kind of waiting until the last minute on a lot of things. Like, they just really haven't talked much about games coming out until pretty close to them actually coming out. It seems like they kind of um, have really been holding things close to their chest a lot lately. So um, I kind of am starting to think that the NX will come out this year, at least one part of it. I I you know, I'm still thinking that it's going to be in two forms, a console and handheld, and the games will kind of work with both like that sort of thing. So at least one part of it, I think will probably come out this year. Um, but I don't know, I guess it's, we'll have to, to wait and see. Um, I
0: mean, I'm on board with that as well, with the two separate pieces. It just, I think, like we saw Yoshi's Woolly World, like over two years before it launched. And we saw the Fire Emblem and Shimagane Tensei. And that, we still don't even have a launch date for that one. Um, Right. I think there's, it just seems like there's, they announced these games like year like over a year in advance. I mean, even Skyward Sword had some massive delays, like the Zelda Wii U game is going through. I mean, they're trying to be optimistic, like, oh, it's coming this time. And then as soon as it getting, creeps up on, like, you know what? We need another year to do this. And, oh, we need another year to do this. It's just always the same thing.
1: Right. What are your thoughts, Barry, on the 2016 release?
2: Uh, I was just listening to you guys. Uh, first thing I had to chuckle about was Steve mentioned advertising and Nintendo in the same uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's- hilarious, because Nintendo probably won't do that. Um, no, They can, uh, though.
3: <laughs> Will they? I don't know. Well, they obviously it, can. They marketed the heck out of the Wii, and what, what happened? It feels like crazy.
1: They'd but, rather yeah. advertise Pokemon
2: at the Super Bowl <laughs> than a brand new console, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, see, here, Here's what I think they need to do. I'm not a businessman, but I have enough business sense to try to analyze, and I have been doing this for a while, Nintendo's in a very tough situation. And the reason I say that is they're, they're becoming in, launching a system in between. Uh, and yeah, they're getting a jump on their competitors, but at the same time, they're lagging behind by doing this. And uh, like I know, uh, I think Phil Spencer just stated like Xbox One is like their last system. Like they're just gonna keep updating it, and they're they're not gonna ha- have console generations anymore. Uh, and if that's the case, then Nintendo might be in good shape. Um, but what they don't want to do uh, is alienate Wii U owners and, and 3DS owners. And and I know it's, it's impossible to do that. The reason I say that is I see people, you know, to this day, like, oh, I just finally got a 3DS, and what do you mean another console's coming? And it's like. 3DS is five years old. You have a backlog of five years worth of great games. Like You shouldn't feel cheated. You have a ton of games to play. You should not feel cheated. And the same with the Wii U. Oh, I just got a Wii U. What the heck? It's like you've got four years worth of great Wii U titles. Pick them up and play them. You should, if you're jumping into a console this late in the game, you should never feel cheated because you get to experience all those great games with no drought like, at all because they're all out there already for you. So, but at the same time, people will still feel alienated, uh, and they've got to be careful. Hence, the uh, when we were talking about Pokemon, the reason Pokemon Black 2 and White 2, one of the reasons it came out for the DS, one of the reasons Sun and Moon will come out for the 3DS this holiday, because a 2016 launch, you know, it's possible. Uh, if it does come out, it has to be only a handheld. And the reason I say that is the 3DS is now five years old, uh, and... If their home console can do all these great things, uh, they're going to need to announce it. And they can't pull a Sega pattern. You know what happens there. You're going to shoot yourself in the foot. You need time. Developers need time, especially third parties. You know, third parties are so important, and Nintendo's lacked that. Third parties need time to develop these games for the NX. Uh, They need time to have it ready. And they can't just launch with lackluster titles. They did it with the Wii U. They did it with the 3DS. And both, both were horrible launches. Not saying everybody's done it perfectly. The PS4 launch, the Xbox One launch, and the Vita launches were all just equally abysmal, in my opinion. Um, but they need to be smart about it. Um, one of the things they could do is do a Wii U lineup. Because uh, if, if the rumors are to be believed, there won't be an optical disk drive in the NX. It will just be cards, much like the 3DS, making a portable home console work. Uh, and I can see that happening. Uh, but if that's the case, that means there's no more backwards compatibility, meaning people who buy a Wii U now, their system or their games will only work on the Wii U. They will not continue on. And Nintendo is known for backwards compatibility. So they would have to do something with this, you know, my Nintendo, where you register, you know, New Super Mario Brothers U, and you can get at a discount an NX version of New Super Mario Brothers U, and now play it. You can now get an NX version of Mario Kart 8 with all the DLC. You can get an NX version of Hyrule Warriors and Bayonetta 1 and 2 combo and, like, just Captain Toad and Yoshi's Woolly World. And they'll start releasing these NX titles or Wii U titles for the NX. Really easy to convert for, you know, just change out the gamepad and at least alleviate that uh, drought a little bit kind of like what they did with the 3DS launch with Ocarina of Time 3D and Star Fox 64 3D. These weren't new games. These were just updated old ones, uh, and, and that's an easy way to do it. But I do see the handheld possibly, possibly coming out this holiday, no earlier than that, or they pull the Sega Saturn, and uh, they have to talk about it at E3 or before E3. If, if we don't hear anything at E3, then there's nothing coming out this year because that would be stupid. And if they were smart, they would do a live show this E3 and not a direct because there are so many companies that are going to be at E3 like Time and New York Times and People and all these, these places that cover games that one time of the year. They want as much exposure as you can get. So if it costs them, let's say it costs them $150,000 to rent out the, the place for an hour and a half conference. That 150000 would be a wise investment for the exposure you're going to get. The Nintendo Directs, while they've been great, you know, they reach really a, a limited audience. They reach the Nintendo fans. They reach the, 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 the games journalists, which are getting less and less now with sites like Game Trailers closing. And, and that's it. And, and sometimes they crash, like we've had before with E3s, where it, it doesn't work. Uh, and, and that's a disaster, too. So you could, and, and yes, you could reach millions of people online, but, but sites like IGN and GameSpot, you know, they're still going to be streaming E3. So you're still going to get that exposure, but you're going to get more because New York Times is going to write an article, you know, about in the text section. And people who aren't hip on games are going to read that and go, wow, that's a really cool idea. Maybe my grandson would like that this holiday. And boom, you've got a sale. That's what they need to do. And if they don't do that, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. It's just a wise investment. Yeah. And when I also, you also get the, the live reaction
3: to, to the announcements as well. I, I remember a couple years ago when I was at E3, I think it was one of the first years that they did um, the, the Nintendo Direct, you know, the E3 presentation or whatever, just the online streaming um, for Nintendo. But I also went over to uh, Sony's. Um, live, you know, event, and it was there. There was a there was a, a level of of excitement and energy in the room that you just can't get when you do an online only thing. You know, you I was able to hear everybody cheering when their favorite game was announced and and all that stuff, and you just don't you don't get that excitement, which does it adds to the hype in it. And people like you know, you know, these non game journalists um, that are covering the event. That's going to build upon you know how they write about particular games and how they write about these particular announcements. When they say, "Wow, the the room just lit up when this was announced," that that plays into it, and they they need that as well. Um, I like what you were saying about backwards compatibility. I think that's going to be huge. Um, I I would love it actually if they did you know continue the backwards compatibility. I think that's one of the big things that that does help with, especially in our in our modern um, mobile age or smartphone and tablet age, where, you know, we have iPads that come out brand new every year. We have iPhones that come out brand new every year. And people, while they're, they're kind of bummed that, you know, they're like, I just got the, the last one. A new one just came out. They're okay with that. And they can, you know, hold on to it a little longer. And people are usually upgrading every two years and everything. And they're okay with that, even though it's more expensive, um, because everything's backward compatible. And I think that that does help play into it because I get a brand new iPhone. You know, I got to pay the money to get the new iPhone, but at the same time, I know all the games and apps that I've downloaded on it will download brand new on on the new one and still work. And I think um, any level of backward compatibility that they can put into it is going to be a huge benefit for them.
2: Now, just imagine if the NX uh, home console actually does contain an optical drive, but it's just for Wii and Wii U games then it literally would be a Retron 5, a Wii, Wii U, the 3DS, DS, and NX games all at once. And then you would be able to and, take your DS and games. And some Sega games. Yet. and Well, Virtual <laughs> Console, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> not to whole nother. They've dropped the ball there big time. But imagine being able to take your DS games and pop it in there, and suddenly now you can play games like Ghost Trick on the TV, you know, legit. I mean, that would be, be great. You know, no hookups yeah. or anything. That
1: just pop it in. That um you know, we'll see what they do with backwards compatibility as Wii U. But one of the the visions I have, I guess, for the for what the NX could be is kind of like what Steve was saying with the iPhones and that sort of thing, where maybe every you know two years or so, there's a new version or something released, kind of like what they have the new 3DS and that sort of thing. But continuing that long term and making the NX truly a platform, as Nintendo's kind of they've really been emphasizing that word, mm-hmm. how NX is a platform. So whether console or handheld, releasing iterations of these devices to kind of slowly bring more constant improvements to the hardware rather than having to wait however many years and do that sort of thing. But I don't know how that falls in line with some of these rumors and stuff, but that's just something that I've thought about as maybe a model they might be transitioning towards or something. So
2: Oh yeah, I did I didn't talk about Zelda quickly. Um if they're smart, pack and game. Zelda Wii U NX version pack in with the handheld. Boom, million sales easily, easily <laughs> multi. Make it the only way you can get it. For at least, oh.
1: at least for the first year. The first year when the home console
2: comes out, then they're released separately.
1: Um, um. So we'll see. So kind of moving into uh, a little crazier rumors and stuff now. So that one. May or may not be true. There's a couple things that source had true. A couple things remain to be seen. We'll see. Uh, brings us to the third rumor I want to discuss. Um, it's from the website Dual Pixels, and they have a source that they named Geno. Um, and so they claim that this source, Geno, has kind of revealed a couple of things in the past. I haven't gotten the chance to really do research to see if this is true or not, but they claim that Geno said Nintendo released a Pokemon game that um, used a full 3D engine, which is Pokemon X and Y, so there'd be a new type of Pokemon, which was the fairy type. Older Pokemon will get new abilities, like Mewtwo. Um, I'm told a couple other things about PlayStation, Microsoft stuff, um, like about Microsoft introducing an omni-projection unit that would let game environments be projected uh, in a near 360-degree fashion around the user, which is that Illuma Room thing that they
2: home had. Um, well or yeah.
1: So, you know, I, I don't know if this is if, the, if that source really did say all this stuff ahead of time. I, I don't know. But they're claiming to they have some information on the NX. And what they're saying is, um, let's see, there's a couple bullet points here. First of all, they say that it has a wireless HDMI dongle that attaches flush to the back of the device. A user can pull it out and insert it into any display with a normal-sized HDMI output. And the devices use an evolved version of the Wii U streaming tech to display in HD to the TV screen. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but that sounds to me like it's a handheld, but it has a dongle that lets you display the stuff on the TV, kind of making it a hybrid of sorts. Chromecast.
3: Yeah, it kind of sounds like a a Chromecast kind of idea.
1: Yeah, so that's one part. And then... They say that allegedly the analog controls for movement have small motors in them for full haptic feedback. So if you control a character, if you control a character and you hit a wall, the sticks move away from the direction of the wall to simulate running headfirst into it. Uh, it can also be used for jerking when firing a gun, taking damage, moving over rough terrain, etc. Um, third bullet point: It can literally Bluetooth sync with everything, especially smartphones and tablets, to the point where one feature is. It can answer phone calls and display text messages from your phone onto the screens itself, so you don't have to stop and answer your smart device.
3: Yep, I turned uh, it off first day. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: the fourth bullet point is the closest in terms of power it gets to is the Xbox One, but an app idea is Wii U times 50 and PlayStation Vita times 100. I don't know what that means. Uh, the key is that all the tech is exactly the same hardware layout as PS4 and Xbox One, which combines it with the OS's strong emulation functions and compiler, which means that any, um, any game that can run on a PS4 or Xbox One can easily run on the NX with z- near zero modification to the original source code, especially if it runs in Android OS or Unreal Engine 4. This is allegedly why Nintendo has given out the dev kit so late, as one third-party dev put it. It's the easiest device we've ever developed for. You just take your code, compile it, and it works. Um, and then the fifth bullet point is look to Pokemon Go to get, the, to get the idea of the type of social features that will be in NX that will take multiplayer AR and the Street path concept to a whole new level. Um, oh, it looks like there's another thing they didn't label it a bullet point. So the sixth point is the real strength of the device is easeability, or usability and ease of use. Uh, it visually and functionally, looks as if Samsung and the 2DS had a baby the operating system is named the Nintendo OS or like the O from Nintendo is an OS. Um, it's very powerful, modern features and mobile operating systems. Nintendo is being careful and showing it off because they don't want people to mistake it as running Android, uh, strong networking functions, etc. cetera. So me personally, I don't know if I believe this or not. I feel like as I keep reading, it gets more unbelievable um, especially the whole part about how easy it it is to compile the source code from other <clears> systems <throat> onto this usually when i see that stuff that kind of is like a flag to me as like that's like a pipe dream for a nintendo fan like oh you just port the games and it's one line of code and that's it in the real world that's that's not that's not how it works
3: um, no i remember even yeah. when the when windows phone 10 came out and and they were saying oh yeah it's like you could take all the your android apps and your iphone apps and be able to you know run them through our system port them out pop them out you know overnight and you know all of a sudden you'll have all these you know brand new i you know uh, windows phone 10 apps and everything and then when yeah developers got their hands on it like that it's not nearly as easy as you'd make it think you know make it sound and so i i wonder you know ideally this would be fantastic but yeah reality is a different thing
1: Right. Yeah. Craig, Greg, any uh, thoughts yeah. on the rumor?
0: Well, when it got when it gets to the point about like linking with like smartphones and stuff like, that doesn't sound like something that Nintendo would directly do. I mean, <laughs> usually they don't try to merge in the inter- entertainment aspects that we've seen with no DVD player, no anything <clears throat> like that with our consoles. So, being able to like stream it to another device seems completely foreign, and I don't... was kind of surprised that they would be including something like that, so we all know that Nintendo likes their own private software and their own proprietary means of access and games and all that, so, I don't know, that part was kind of reaching a little bit for me, at least.
1: Yeah. That that part, um, I actually almost thought kind of sounded like something Nintendo might do in a way, um, in terms of if you look at the gamepad and how they didn't want to disrupt you know, the typical viewing experience that you're watching a TV and you have something coming on, well, just swap to the gamepad, you can watch TV and play your game. So you have your phones and your tablets, instead of having to use those devices, just put those to the side and you'll get your phone messages and stuff right on your NX or something. So it almost seemed like they were kind of trying to do that. At least that's the idea that it seemed like to me. I don't know if that'll happen or not. Um, It'd be awful, awful. When I, when I after that
3: <laughs> game, I want to like be immersed in that game. That's that's the last <laughs> thing I would be like going through some Zelda dungeon, and all of a sudden my get a phone, you know, call. <laughs> phone call comes up and I'm like stop it, get out of the way. And it happens on my phone. Like that's the worst part of mobile gaming is when you're like right in you know in the very few games that I really play a lot on my phone, and then all of a sudden a phone call or a text message comes up and like ruins my like my gameplay. I'm like that's awful. Like when I'm playing a game, I, I want to like turn off all the function, the function of the phone itself, and just use it as a as a gaming machine. Um, so like, while some people might enjoy that, I would turn it off the first day. Yeah, so I could just be playing the game and just seeing the Slack notification. Oh, Nintendo Fuse just posted this on Twitter. I'm like,
0: oh. Okay. I, like
3: <laughs> I was playing. I was playing um, my PS4 the other day. Um, we played on the four-player local uh, Rocket League, and I was in the top left corner because I'm I was first player. And like every notification that I got, like covered like most of my screen, <laughs> and I'm like, this is awful. I need to turn those things off. It's like it's fine when you're like the whole screen, but when you're like in one little small quadrant, I'm like, this is. I don't want any more notifications. I don't, I don't care if I got a trophy. Shut up.
0: <laughs> right. It's just like playing Super Mario Maker and you can play one of those popular levels, and they're just like filled to the brim with comments. So it's like you just but you can't even see where Mario is, you just see all these character comments and drawings. It's so ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Barry? Any thoughts on the rumor?
2: Uh I can see them doing the link with cell phones for getting texts or phone calls. I mean, uh, cable boxes already do it. Uh and they seem to be embracing uh smartphones now. Uh and like like Greg said about how they it's and you know it goes against everything Nintendo's done with multimedia. I mean you know Panasonic had to make a GameCube to play DVDs. But if you also look in the past, Nintendo has gone away from multimedia and it's hurt them. The N64 didn't play CDs, thus it was no longer a CD player. The GameCube did not play DVDs and it wasn't a DVD player, which is the very thing that got PS2 to win that generation. The we was not a, DVD, uh, not a DVD player either, and that hurt. And, the, you know, the Wii U and the Wii, but neither of them were Blu-ray players. Uh, again, another thing that has hurt it. So, yes, Nintendo is a game console, and yes, Nintendo is a game company, and they should focus on that too, 100%. But throwing in that little added feature isn't going kind to of costly, and it, it, it just looks nice. Even if you never use it, it's still a bullet point bullet point, Blu-ray player, bullet point, DVD player, bullet point, syncs to your cell phone. Um, whether or not you use it, whether or not you turn it off, that's irrelevant. It's bullet points on the paper. As for the development, I actually see that being true. Uh, and the reason I see that is Nintendo cannot – well, I mean, they technically can't afford uh, in terms of monetary, but they can't afford not have third parties on board. And the reason third parties have slowly disappeared from Nintendo Uh, since the Super Nintendo days is because it's always been harder to develop and they have not sold well on Nintendo systems versus Nintendo's own first party. The N64 used cartridges versus the Saturn and PlayStation CD. The GameCube, while it used a CD format, was a smaller CD and things had to be, you know, comprised to to fit there. And they actually lost some stuff uh, just to put it on. So some games never got ported over you look at the Wii, the Wii wasn't as powerful as the other systems, so it was, they had, and it had motion controls. So certain games had their own versions. In fact, the Wii is the very reason the PlayStation 2 lasted as long as it did, because they said, well, if we're going to develop a Wii game, let's bring it to the PS2 as well, which is why games like Sonic Unleashed you know, came to the PS2, and it's the same thing as the Wii version. Um, so you know, and the Wii used the same thing. It's not as powerful as the other ones. So, so the Wii U got 3 360 and PS3 ports, but isn't getting PS4 and Xbox One ports for that very reason. Uh, so they can't do this anymore. They absolutely cannot do this. They need third party. So if they could make it as simple as, hey, look, understand this: you put this game out on PS4, Xbox One, and the and the NX, the PS4 is probably going to sell the most units of, of the game, or or the you know maybe the Xbox One because people the install base is much bigger. So you got to expect that. But if all you have to do is a copy and paste and maybe change one thing and boom, you can put it on NX, give us a smaller print run, but at least put your game out on it. And more companies will take that risk because it's, it doesn't take man hours. If they've got to sit there and pay a team you know, X amount of hours to sit there and convert it and, and the sales don't you know, equal it, they're not making money, they're not going to do it, which is why we you third parties aren't there, which is why we third parties started falling off. Uh, you know, and GameCube, et cetera. So I do believe that. I believe it would be stupid for them not to uh, because they need it. As for the power, um, I hope it's more powerful than an Xbox One. Uh, They did state in one of the rumors, industry-leading chips. Uh, And while the Xbox One is very powerful, as is the PS4, um, that was three years ago they launched. So they're no longer industry-leading chips. Because there's PCs out there that are much stronger and much more powerful. So I really hope they do. I hope they bank on Microsoft and Sony saying these are our platforms for the next 10 plus years. And they say, okay, well, this is going to be our platform for the next 10 plus years. But we're going to make it inherently more powerful right out of the gate. So it is industry leading for 2016 or 2017. You know, Nintendo has never sold a console at a loss with the exception of the 3DS after they dropped the price in 2011, and that was only for a short time. Uh, and I think the Wii U might have been a slight loss, but they stated if you bought one game, they were in the green. So, And, and if you're buying a Wii U, you're going to buy a game. So they really haven't sold the system at a loss, and I think they need to. I think they need to put out a $400 system and sell it for $300 at launch. I think they need to do that to get their foot in the door. They have the money to do it, and, and they really they need something because they can't go, oh, well, we're going to make it as cheap as possible. Here we can make it for 199 and sell so for 250 and people are going to look at it and go, it's another Fisher-Price thing. It's kind of like with Oculus. Oculus priced like $600, and people are balking at it like, oh, my God. But if you want virtual reality, you're not going to want you know the, the cardboard. You're going to want something legit. You're going to want to p- have to pay for it. You know, if you want a car, you know you're, you're going to want a car that gets you from point A to point B. You're going to have to pay for it. So I hope they do it smart and take a loss per unit sold and recoup it with games, like everybody else. They could be really could,
3: interesting if they if they launch something that what let's say is just as powerful as, as the the PS4 or Xbox um, One, and and maybe just. One step, whatever that means, one step above them, but they're still able to undercut them in price. That that could be huge, because that means they could they could potentially, you know, if they have the third party support as well, steal away people, especially going into the holiday se- season when you're like, well, I was gonna get this PS4, but wow, this this NX thing looks pretty good too, and it's and it's cheaper. You know, they could they could steal some new customers away, um, and maybe maybe you know grab some some ones that already own the other systems too, um, but that, that could be really interesting. I don't know if they would or not, um, but the other it, it'd be really interesting.
2: The handheld, See, with the handheld being sold separately than the console, they can make the handheld a $300 handheld and the system a $300 system and combined it's $600, but so you're buying them in two parts. And you look at the Vita, and you look at the 3DS, and the Vita is 100 – it just blows the, the 3DS away. If you look at the graphics on the OLED screen, what the Vita can do is incredibly impressive. But why did the Vita fail? Because Sony didn't support it, didn't advertise it, didn't put out the games, and the 3DS walked all over it. Now you take the 3 dss momentum and Nintendo's first party on a system that, that is portable and as powerful as a PS4 or an Xbox One. That's insane. Now you're going to get console exclusive games now on a handheld because it's going to be an easy port. Think about that. You're talking about, you know, sports games. Let's talk sports. You're talking about why does EA release every year? What if they can take Madden, already selling 8 million units, copy paste and now you're putting it on a handheld unit. It's, sports have never really worked well on handhelds because it's the, the the technology's been inferior. Even the Vita started getting some good sports games, but they failed because no one was buying it. Well, now, these, hey, copy, paste, and I got myself on a handheld? Think about the games like Ubisoft putting out, like Watch Dogs 2. Boom. Grand Theft Auto. I mean, when Liberty City Stories came out on PSP, it was a huge deal. Same with Chinatown Wars with uh, the DS. Think about that, a full-fledged Grand Theft Auto 5 or, or 6 portably with the graphics of an Xbox One PS4 on, on NX. That would be Or amazing. even the
1: opposite. Like you take your Pokemon, typically handheld full blown Pokemon games on a console and everything. Yeah. You know? So it kinda goes both ways.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
3: Um I did wanna you mentioned the 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 haptic feedback and the the controls and stuff like that. Um that's one of the things I do love. Like I was talking with some friends the other day about the different, um, the differences in the, um, a lot of them have Xboxes and they, they have for a while um, and they love the Xbox um, controller, which I don't, um, I just don't. Um, but one thing I do like about the Xbox one controller is that, is that feedback um, and the triggers and stuff. It's, it's really cool. And so I think, you know, that part of the rumor um, tells me like if they don't do stuff like that that's already existing and in, 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 in consoles already and they don't at least match that type of thing within the controls and everything and then maybe maybe take a step above but if they don't at least match that stuff that would be silly because i think that's one of the things that a lot of people really enjoy um is how the controls have evolved over time and um you know i really enjoy that and it'd be really cool if, if they had those is that little touch i mean
2: so yeah. they're gonna go above and beyond. They started with Rumble, which was their their introduction, and now you know you're talking about the force, extra force feedback and stuff in the controller. They're gonna put like little little needles in the thumbstick. So every time you get shot, it like jabs you quickly in the thumbs. So you slowly start to bleed. You know, like just little prick. So you really don't want to take any damage because it's super realistic. You know, you've you got to dodge those bullets because you're really starting to get physically hurt. That's and they have little meters with to with your, your headset. They, yeah. They yeah.
1: Little, after they prick your finger, the blood comes out. they have meters to read your blood sugar to see, you know, like your your health. So there's a health aspect of Nintendo there that's too, the Vitality right? Vitality Sensor. I mean, quality yeah, that's how of life. There say. you go, Vitality <laughs> Sensor. <Yeah. laughs> it's all coming together now. <laughs> you can use the Wii um, support to
0: dodge from side to side. And,
1: yeah.
3: Oh yeah, all, oh. all come together. True backward <laughs> compatibility. <laughs>
1: uh, so,
2: you know, <laughs> here's, we'll here's, see what here, happens. You know, we're, we're missing one important question, and and this is true. We were talking about the Smash Brothers rumor. Will it have the ability to play with GameCube controllers? Because that is a big deal, and that is a very important question. If well, they if the they allow deck. that dongle thing
3: that they allow for Wii U, then Plug it in through USB. Yeah, that's what
0: yeah for said. some it's
1: adapter USB. or something. The USB
3: yeah. adapter, so it would work, I would imagine. What
0: scares what... me
1: though
3: in that rumor is that that line: <laughs> of, if if Samsung and the 2DS had a baby, that sounds <laughs> disgusting in my head. I, I don't, I don't know if anybody else, but I don't want anything that looks like the 2DS and a Samsung device had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: (laughs) You know, I really hope they go with the clamshell again with the handheld because that's one thing I do love about the 3DS because I I don't take my Vita around with me because I'm scared. Like, I feel like it's so fragile because the thumbsticks are out and there's nothing covering the screen. Like, I put it in a little case and stuff. But then I have to pull it out and unzip it. and Like, granted, first-world problems, but the 3DS, to me, I could just fold it up, boom, put it in my pocket. And I know it's protected, and I can just whip it out, no problem. So I really hope they stay with that clamshell design in some way.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't know how what's, you know how all that's going to play out. I would assume, you know, in the coming weeks and months, more and more supposed leaks and rumors and stuff will happen. So we'll see, kind of, you know, get an idea of what uh, what it may look like. And then I would think if it's coming this year, hopefully soon we'll get some more details. Um, We haven't had a Nintendo Direct this year, right? Aside from the Pokemon Direct?
2: Six minutes of Pokemon, that's it. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if I saw that much of a Direct.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I I think, if I remember correctly, the last one was in November? Yeah. So usually their old pattern was every other month. So it would have been in January and then February. I don't really count the Pokemon Direct. Now March. So we're really overdue on stuff. So if, you know... We What's may Smash- start to get hints of things soon. Was
0: Smash Brothers a direct though? Because that was in December. Oh, that was December. Yeah, the Smash Brothers
1: direct. Yeah, I guess. Um, I think it's every other month, like not counting like the special directs. Usually, at least that's how they were doing it for a while. Um, so I guess we'll
2: probably get one in April, and then June is E3. But at the same time, they yeah. they need to the... see if they're smart, they'll do one in April and it'll be all their spring Wii U 3DS games. Blow the load. Make it like an hour-long direct. And then have E3 nothing but NX. Kind of like what they did with the Wii U was launching. Like, they made E3 nothing but Wii U stuff. They need that whole time to talk about that system. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Um, So, you know, we'll see what happens, but uh, if it is coming this year, then that means we're going to have a lot to talk about in the coming months, definitely. So, be very interesting to see how it all unfolds. Um so uh that pretty much wraps things up for for this episode for the podcast. Um thank you to uh to Mike as well as uh Richard Romero in the chat for your, your comments and everything. They're kind of talking along about um let's see some of the stuff here. Richard Romero does say he also misses the live shows from Nintendo that directs are cool, but the reactions of the live crowd is awesome. Um, so you know they're all kind of voicing their opinions as well for uh, for what we were discussing, and as always, you guys can join in too, which is what's really cool about this podcast. so definitely stay tuned uh for our next episode. We'll keep you posted on Nintendo Fuse for when that is, and we'll talk the latest and greatest from Nintendo and get your thoughts as well so um, hope you guys enjoyed and thank you all again for for listening and watching and we'll see you uh next time. Yeah.
0: Bye guys. Yeah.